Hey, it's Bob, and I like to make stuff. Thanks for checking out this episode of Brain Pick. This is the audio-only version of the live Q&A show that I do on YouTube. In this episode, we get Kyle Toth. Kyle is a really awesome woodworker. He's a very young guy, and he's been basically making stuff with wood since he was a kid. He's made skateboards, made a wooden backpack, all sorts of stuff. He does really, really beautiful, fine woodworking now, and um, he's been doing it for a long time. So we get to talk about how he got into it, what he does with it now, how he gets his commissions, and about his calendar. He has a calendar that, well, just listen. You'll find out. So, hope you enjoy this episode with Kyle Toth. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's Bob from I Like to Make Stuff. Thanks for checking out this episode of Brain Pick. I'm here with Kyle Toth, and really glad to have Kyle. Kyle, how's it going? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Awesome. Thanks for doing this, man. Oh, yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. It's pretty cool. Yeah, right on. Well, as we um, wait for some questions to pile up, they, the, uh, it takes a little while for them to show up in the bar over here. I want to go ahead and ask you some stuff to get it started. Um, so I watched this video that this company did about you today, and it was awesome. And I tweeted it out earlier. So if anybody's watching and they haven't seen that video, you need to go uh, check that out for sure. But it, it was it was talking about how you've been doing this like since you were a kid. And then I've heard David Pachuto say that you've never had another job other than woodworking. Is that true? Uh, yeah. I mean, kind of last year I did have an apprenticeship at a shop in like downtown San Diego for like seven months. Um, and that was like in a paid apprenticeship. But other than that, I've kind of just always made things and sold things, you know, to, to get by and just got more into it like that. So I guess it's kind of a true statement. David told me, he's like, you've never had a real job. And I'm like, come on, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> well, that's cool. But so you've been making stuff like since you were young. Yeah. Since I'm, you know, 12, you know, 13 years old, just building little houses and go-karts and, you know, whatever I get my hands on, you know, put screws and nails together and, you know, plywood, you know, all that stuff. So that's yeah. awesome. So to, I've, I've heard a little bit about the wooden backpack. Is that, was that oh, yeah. a pivotal <laughs> point in your journey? Yeah, that was, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Just cause like making that at the time was like one of the coolest things I ever made. And I was like, I'm going to wear it to school every day. And it weighs like 25 pounds. It's like three quarter inch plywood. It doesn't fit anything in it, but you know, it was like, it was more of a staple of the time. So yeah, I mean, that was kind of how I was like, just known as the kid with the wooden backpack, you know, going to school every day. So <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And you still yeah. have it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You still wear it? Uh, I've worn it in, I don't know, like a year, but <laughs> I should, I should start wearing it again. I should. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can make another one, like some crazy inlays, you know, make some yeah. new version of it with all your new skills that you've had since then. Definitely lighter though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, another thing I was going to ask you about, I got a couple notes here is this teeter totter. Now I saw this. Oh yeah. I saw this, I guess on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. if anybody hasn't <laughs> seen his Instagram of this thing, uh, just just tell them about it you you can tell the details okay so we were cutting down trees there's a eucalyptus grove in the back of my shop and we were cutting down uh some like dead trees there in the way and uh i had never really done this so we were just like you know chopping at it and seeing what would happen um and we were trying to drop this tree 180 degrees the wrong way and it fell right in between these trees that were kind of split and it was like perfect i mean we didn't plan on this happening it just fell like this and then it got stuck in there and it fell on my fence so i had to like trim it to shorten it up and then i'm like trimming it up and it starts going back up in the air so it was like perfectly balanced and i'm like oh man this is a perfect this is a perfect teeter-totter right here so uh like two of my buddies came over the next day and uh we we're like we strapped ropes onto it so we put one person on one side and then we had to pull the other person up on the other side and you know we just found out that it works and it sends you like 25 feet in the air so it's uh it's a little intimidating but it's it's pretty fun and when one person gets off the other person's like stuck up in the air so it's like a three-person thing to like get people down oh. so <laughs> yeah we gotta like devise a way to get people down but yeah it's pretty cool that's awesome yeah. That seems like you should get in touch with uh, uh, Devin Supertramp, the guy, the YouTube guy that does all the crazy extreme sports. Oh, yeah. I got to get a hold of him. Yeah. <laughs> have him over he, for a weekend. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's see. Got a, got a couple of questions showing up here. 
Go ahead and add questions, guys. And I'm going to try this week, this time, to take them from Twitter because I know some people have had trouble um, adding questions through the Q&A app thing. So if you're having trouble with that, you can tweet at me at I like to make stuff, but stuff only has one F. It's lame, but that's Twitter. Um, so if you want to send a question in that way, I'll try to keep an eye on that as well. So uh, <laughs> here's one from David. I have a calendar of you. This is from David Picciuto. I have a calendar of you with 12 naked photos, yet I can't see the goods. Are you hiding anything? I think mm. the question here is, why in the world is there a calendar of you naked? Uh, I mean, it's just been a joke over the past four years. I've kind of produced this calendar where I'm not really wearing too much. Um, and this year, I got one of my buddies as a professional photographer. And uh, we kind of went at it full force and... I don't know. We make this, we make this calendar every year. So we have some, uh, some plans on the horizon for, uh, for next year as we're going on a road trip across country. We're going to get some, uh, like epic shots across the country. Um, and if anybody's doubting it out there, you just, you just got to look at it with an open mind before, I don't know, before, before you judge. So it's, it's pretty funny. It is really, really funny and, and, and tasteful. I mean, it's not like, yeah. Have you seen it? I've seen some of the pictures that you posted. Okay. From it. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's yeah, really it's funny. PG, it's like PG thirteen too. So I mean, you can't really get mad at it. So yeah, well, that's that's an interesting thing. If you guys have the interest, you might want to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see here. So we got one from Matt Cremona. Do you continually challenge yourself? If so, how? I mean, that that's actually something I was curious about too, because looking at your work and looking at like the complexity of the vases that you make. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff, it seems like it would be really hard at the point that you're at now. It seems like it would be really hard to like find some other stuff you haven't done yet. <laughs> How do you yeah. do that? Yeah. I mean, I'm always, I mean, you're not always going to be challenged with like commissions from other people because it's sometimes it's what they want and it's not always going to like give you like, you know, the creative freedom to do something. So with my own work, I'm always trying to like challenge myself. Um, and a way I did that is by doing, I, I said I was going to make a hundred of these bases, you know, these segmented bowls and bases. Um, so I kind of started, it's more of like a, uh, like a learning thing. You know, I've been, you know, just experimenting with different things and failing and, and trying this and trying that. So, um, but I mean, it is difficult to, you know, come up with new ideas. I think that's the hardest thing is to come up with something new that you haven't done before. Cause it's really easy to get stuck just repeating yourself. Um, so I mean, yeah, I just, just got to stay challenged. I mean, I mean, it is difficult sometimes, but sometimes you get an idea, you know, at three o'clock in the morning when you're sleeping and, you know, that's kind of what you work on the next day. Right. Uh, is that kind of how they, like the leopard table that you did recently? Is that, was that just like something you came up with or was that influenced by something or? Uh, that one, I always like when you fly over like in airplanes and you look down over the desert and it has all like that crackled look to it. Um, and I always like, you know, I just liked the way that looked. And I finally was messing around with some veneer and some, you know, mahogany one day and a little Dremel. And I kind of stumbled on this pattern. Um, and then I was like, I'll make a table. So I did one leg and it took like, you know, 12 hours at the time. And I was like, oh, I'll do four more legs. And then I was like, oh shoot, I got to do all the rails. So I was, I kind of stumbled into it. Um, and yeah, I've done two of those tables now. So that's, you know, one of, or, uh, I'm doing five of those total. So Oh, wow. Yeah. All the same. I mean, generally. Yeah. The same. yeah all the same, the same shape, the same size and the same leopard pattern. And then I'm going to move on to, um, like a different shape, a different style, but with the same leopard print on it. So how long does it take you to do that particular print? Uh, the first one took like 180 hours or oh so. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, I mean, I, I, I enjoy it though. Cause I can, you know, put on my headphones and shut off my phone and just get into it, you know, for 10, 12 hours a day and not really have to worry about anything else. Um, and then the second one took around like 150 hours for me to do. Um, so I'll, I usually do that in about like three weeks or so, three, three, four weeks. Wow. That's crazy. All right. Well, let's move on. We've got a bunch of questions here now. Um, the profile video, which we were talking about earlier, um, that we all saw today mentioned that you were into skateboards. Have you built any skateboards? Yeah, I've built, uh, probably like 30 or 40 skateboards. Um, yeah, I've done, you know, back back when I started a long time ago, I don't, I don't even count these ones in the, like the 30 or 40, but just like plywood. And I've done the bent lamination. 
I've done fiberglass ones, epoxy ones. Um, you know, I've built ones out of Koa. Um, yeah, I mean, I've shaped ones from solid logs, you know, just for fun. So yeah, I've made a, I've made a good amount of skateboards. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Do you sell them or are they all just like, uh, I kind of just give them to my friends. You know, I have like probably eight skateboard decks, you know, and I try and ride one every other day or so, but most of them I just give away. Nice. All right. Um, here's one from Brander's workshop. Um, Kyle, I know you must take hundreds of hours sometimes. How do you price your work? Keeping that in mind. Um, I do time and materials for a lot of things. And, um, a lot of times if like, uh, with the first leopard table, I did that and that one was priced out and then I didn't really know how much of like an undertaking it was going to be. Um, so on the second one, I kind of figured out how to price it. Um, and I don't, I think it's just like it kind of experience in the trade. If you've been doing it for a while, you know how long something will take. Um, but then you also kind of have to sell it based on, you know, what it looks like. So that's, you know, the difficult part for people is some people don't want to pay for something that necessarily looks like a piece of art rather than a functional table. So I'm kind of at this like crossroads where I got to figure that out, you know, how to price that or how to go about pricing that. Yeah. It seems like there's a big gulf there in between like the people who make things and they sell them for cost plus a little bit. And the people that are actually like making things with the intention of like, this is going to be really expensive because I put in my 150 hours or whatever yeah. it is. I think a lot of people have trouble with the pricing. I know we have a lot of people on the podcast that we do, me and David and Jimmy, we have a lot of people sending us that question. Like, how do I price my work a lot? And yeah. unfortunately it's like really specific to like who you are, what, what you do, what you make, where you live. I mean, there's yeah. <laughs> In your shop, you have to look into your shop and yeah, I kind of found out my base level of what it costs to run my shop and what it costs for me to show up every day. Um, and then how much I have to make, you know, say every week and every month to be able to do this. Um, so that factors into a lot of things, you know, you might be making, you know, a bunch of cutting boards, but you have to make this much money from it. So yeah, I guess it's real specific to the jobs and some you're going to make, you know, a good amount of money and some of them you're going to break even. So it's kind of all like a learning experience. You know, I'm like, okay, I wouldn't do that again for that price, you know, which I'm trying to get away from, <laughs> you know, cause those are the ones that, you know, you lose money on or, you know, whatnot, or time, you know, so. Yeah. Hmm. That's, that's good advice. All right. Um, let's move on here. We got one from DIY craft addiction. Who do you follow on YouTube and who's the biggest influence on your video style? Ooh, my video style and who I follow. Um, well, I follow, I follow you. I like your video style actually. Um, I like the way, yeah, I like the way, especially that cutting board one that you did. That was pretty cool. Um, I like, uh, I like David Picciuto just cause he doesn't speed up or anything. He throws it in real time. Um, Let's see, uh, Matt, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but I like his videos. Um, and Woodworking for Mere Mortals, I just like that guy. He sounds like he's super fun. Um, <laughs> and uh, I guess for my videos, I like to call it like the onboard approach. And I just want to, I like to see things in different perspectives. So I want to see like what it looks like if the camera is strapped on to this board and it's running through the planer. You know, I want to see what the inside of that planer looks like, almost like this piece of wood had eyes on it you know, what is it actually seeing? So that's kind of been my video style. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm always finding new people on YouTube. So that's like the cool thing is I'll find so many more people, you know, every other day. Yeah. That style like changes. I mean, I know for me, I think everybody it, you know, the more you watch, the more you do, the more you get ideas and you're yeah. evolve, you know, your style. I do oh, yeah. really like how you, how you put the the camera on the wood and like, you do some really interesting like spins and that stuff. Again. Yeah. Keeps <laughs> it really cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So there was another one here. How do you make such incredible bases, the glue up aspect of so many pieces? So I think what they're asking is like, how, how do you go about, you know, attaching, gluing up that many different segments of the, uh, all the different, <laughs> I mean, do you have yeah. a bowl or a, I, I see you have a vase behind you. Yeah. You, I have a, you know, one of those like up close and maybe give us an idea how you do that. Let me grab one here. So I'll start with like this little one. Um, like this is like the fifth one I ever did um, right here. So it's just walnut and maple. Um, 
And I mean, I started out with drawing them all full size with pe uh, pencil and paper. Um, and then, you know, really mapping out like the actual, the pattern that I want to go with. Um, and that way I can see all of the pieces I'll see, say, I, cause this one is around a half inch and this one's around an inch. So I'll draw them that actual size on a piece of paper and just kind of lay it out. And then I'll figure out, um, how many pieces I want in each ring. So this one has 12 pieces. So I cut each piece at 15 degrees, um, which makes for a 30 degree piece and then 12 pieces um, get you 360 degrees. So it's a lot of planning and a lot of drawing. Um, and I like to do it by hand just cause I can erase and, you know, screw up and go back and see it, like, you know, a lot faster. I'm not too computer savvy. Um, but with these big ones, um, these ones, holy cow, this, these ones will take, um, like a day to plan out, you know, all the steps and the segments and whatnot. And, uh, about like 40 or 50 hours to glue one of these up and then you know a few days to turn it um so yeah i mean it, i just take the time to like draw them all out i guess that's you know the only thing i can really say um and then you know turning them is like the challenge just because it's hollow all the way through the inside and it's probably uh like a quarter to three-eighths of an inch thick all the way through um so when when i start these things will weigh like 60 pounds and now it probably weighs, you know, like seven pounds or so. Um, so wow. it's kind of kind of intimidating. I've, you know, souped up my lathe and gotten a bunch of uh, steady rests that I've made and in different things to make it safer and, you know, helmets and face masks and all that stuff. Wow. Yeah, I cannot even imagine <laughs> it turning yeah. something that big. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you kick the lathe on you, you're like, okay, this is, uh, it's, you know, kind of focused or the real deal, I guess, you know, because you don't want to screw something like that up. You know, it can like really hurt you, especially when it weighs, you know, 50, 60 pounds spinning yeah. at, you know, 200 RPM. So, wow. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Well, you do some really uh, beautiful, beautiful turning stuff. So Thank you. good job. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's see. Got a bunch more on here. There's all, uh, Oh, somebody was asking, I can't find it now, but somebody was asking where they could find the calendar. Oh, I'll send them one. <laughs> Okay, well, you guys, if you want one, yeah. Too many uh, yeah, I guess you just have to like send me an email or something like that. So. Cool. All right. Um, let's see here. Oh, yeah, there was that one. Um, how did you come up with the uh, the casual? Or uh, they said casual, but I think it's non-casual Friday. Oh, yeah, non-casual Fridays. Yeah, I mean, ever once I said I moved into a shop because I worked in my parents' garage for like two years um, after I got out of school. Um, and I was like, if I ever get my own shop or when I do, I'm going to do a thing called non-casual Fridays just cause like during the week I wear, you know, ratty t-shirts and, you know, torn up jeans. So I get glue on them and I just wanted to like kind of dress to impress one day out of the week and, you know, work in a nice button down and try and not get glue on myself or finish or whatnot. So I don't know. It was kind of like a goal is when I got to the place where I had my own shop, I wanted to, you know, do one thing a week where, you know, I dress up. So. It's pretty awesome. It seems yeah. like you always have people taking pictures of you when you're working. Do you have like photographer uh, friends that just hang out? No. Um, I set up a GoPro and I just put it on like self timer all oh, day. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. I just kind of let it set up. But one of, I mean, a lot of my, all the studio photos, those come from uh, one of my friends he takes, he's a photographer. So he takes them all. Nice. You got some, some really good ones. So, yeah. Um, all right. There's uh, another one here about the turnings um, from Drew Mead. Have you ever had something explode on the lathe after hours of glue up? Um, I've had not a segmented one. I've never had a segmented one come apart. Um, I've had the bases crack, but I've never had like rings actually kind of blow off. Um, and I think the rings crack just because like or the base will crack just because of too much stress. Um, I more often have... Uh, like solid bowls that'll, you know, explode or crack on you. Um, just cause the grains all running the same way with these, the grain, it's the end grain glued together, but then on top of that is a uh, surface grain on both sides. So, I mean, it's super hard to, you know, break one of these things and the surfaces I get them, you know, I try and get them perfectly flat. So there's a lot of glue surface there. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Um, have, have you ever gotten like hurt from, anything um when i first started i dislocated my thumb sanding but that was just because i didn't know how to you know sand i was using like a one inch strip and 
had both hands on the side of the lathe and it caught and just pulled my thumb in kind of a a bummer yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) gotcha all right well here's one from uh jackman carpentry Uh, he's always around good to see you again i'm an engineer and find myself thinking like an engineer too often any suggestions on thinking more like an artist Mm, holy cow that's a good question (laughs) um i don't know that's uh I'll have to think about that one here while we while we chat a bit, I guess. Okay. Come back to him. Where do you do you have a, a particular place or method for for getting inspiration, like visual inspiration, like for your turnings, those patterns and stuff? Do you you know does that come from somewhere? Or is it just kind of like? Um, I mean, I guess it comes from. I mean, I don't know. I follow like a just a bunch of different uh, medium forms just online and you know at different art shows and exhibitions. And <laughs> I guess seeing, um, I don't know. I love rep like repeating patterns um, a lot. So I guess I would see those in a lot of um, like I like the geometry based uh, like paintings and artwork. So I guess I'd see that and that stuff, and I'd try and kind of recreate it in wood. Um, but I mean, I guess I, I kind of pull inspiration from a lot of places. I mean, um, you know, just being outside, being in my shop, you know, being in a place where you feel like you can kind of just create and be free with it, I guess is, I think half of the battle. Cause if you feel like you're constricted, you know, I feel like I can't, you know, be myself and create. And then the other aspect was getting my shop to a place where I didn't have to like think about things. Like, so everything has its place, you know, storage is, you know, the biggest thing for me. So once I got to a place where my shop was where I was comfortable, I feel like that, you know, really helped me. I feel like that could probably help a lot of other people too. If they're always have something in their, you know, the back of their head, like I got to do this, you know, you're kind of not letting your brain be free enough to, to, you know, experience something new. Yeah. I've heard that too from a couple other people with like large shops is that one of the reasons they got a large shop was so that everything could stay where, where it needed to be like tool wise mm-hmm. so that you never had to move something. Cause I think one of the big like problems with having a small shop is that you often have to move something to get to the thing that you want, which breaks like your flow. It breaks yeah. Oh, yeah. all that stuff. So yeah, I can imagine that just being able to, and, and a lot of that just has to do with how you set it up. Maybe that's not, size as much but yeah um, being able to get to what you want when you want it probably helps quite a bit for that um here's one from sterling how do you how did you transition from plywood to fine woodworking that you do now what motivated you to move forward um i was just getting like home depot gift cards and would just buy plywood and then my parents one day um, I mean, I had like plywood furniture in the house and, you know, little cabinets and stuff like that. And one day they're like, well, this stuff looks, you know, halfway decent. Let's, let's buy the kids some, some nice wood. So they bought me like 300 bucks of Oak. Um, and I built a kitchen table, you know, that we still use today. So we've had it for like nine years. And I mean, it's all put together with biscuits. There's no screws on it, you know, so it's all like joinery that I knew at the time. Um, yeah, it's pretty sweet. So I guess it was, I guess they, you know, heavily influenced me moving from, uh, from plywood to, you know, solid wood. Hmm. That's, that's pretty awesome. Um, here's one about finishes, which may apply to that table. What's the favorite finish that you use on your projects? Um, I like this stuff called water locks. Um, it's kind of what we use like heavily in school. Um, but I guess my favorite finish is shellac. I love like a French polish on uh, on things. That's I guess my favorite one to do, just because it involves more than like wiping it on and letting it dry. Um, you can actually like see it finish right in front of you, um, just because of, like the alcohol and the shellac. So I, yeah, that's my favorite finish. Hmm. Right on. Um, here's another one from uh, Mike Mersky. Mersky, sorry, Mike. Um, <laughs> about the shop organization. He's going back to that. Um, he, he says he's not the only one who's OCD about organization. How often do you reorganize and change the layout of your shop? Uh, well, I haven't changed it since I moved in, but I clean up uh, like everything and I'll kick on like a leaf blower and I'll just like leaf blow and turn on all the fans and the dust collection and just suck everything out of there, or blow it out like every Sunday um, and kind of start fresh on Monday. Um, and I try and do that like no matter what I'm working on, I try and put everything aside and you know start fresh 
but re rearranging i haven't rearranged my shop since i moved in so and how long have you been in it i've only been in there for like eight months now okay um so yeah on the side of your shop there's one here from drew there's a giant inspector gadget yeah the story? Uh, uh one of my uh buddies he's a um uh graphic designer and or like, what is he graphic designer and he's like a street artist so they were looking for like a legal place to paint um, and one of him, him and his buddy flew down from San Francisco and they lined up like seven or eight spots to paint. And I was like, come on down to the shop. And they, uh, they took my ugly barn and they painted this sweet inspector gadget on the back. And I was like, just do whatever you want, you know, have fun. And they started painting and it was like 105 degrees that day. And I like went out and got them a tarp. And then I kind of got a glimpse of what they're painting. And I was like, all right, this is going to be pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Are you going to keep it to that or are you going to let it like be an evolving street art piece? Uh, well, he's like, Hey, when are you ready to paint the back of your shop again? And I was like, I mean, if you want to, so I, it's kind of turned into like whatever his creative, you know, whatever he wants to do with it is kind of become his wall almost. Nice. Um, but I do have other walls if anybody else wants to, uh, come by and paint something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you go. Yeah. I'm sure you'll probably get some, uh, interest in that. Yeah. Uh, here's a good one from the angling arborist. What's the ugliest project you've ever made? I can take first, give you a break. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, um, oh gosh, I've made a lot of ugly stuff, honestly. Uh, since I've been doing YouTube stuff, I think one of the benches I did recently with, it was like pallet wood. The one I did, I had to make four of them. And the one I did for the video, I just hated when it was over. I, I just thought the pattern was ugly, just didn't turn out. The other three that I made after that one were great or maybe before i don't remember but i love them and they've all sold and that one is still here <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i think i remember watching that and you're like i just don't like it <laughs> for some yeah. reason yeah it just yeah. didn't work what about yeah. you uh i think i've definitely made some some ugly benches before um just stuff that's and i always struggle with uh proportions for seating um so sometimes it's not that it's ugly, just it's that it's ugly in proportion. It just doesn't seem like it fits in an area, um, like the seat's too low or too wide. And I made this Chippendale-style uh, chair uh, when I was in school, and it's just it just doesn't look right, you know. So it kind of just sits in the corner. Um, nobody ever sits on it, so <laughs> it's too, poor thing. Too yeah, too ugly to sit on. <laughs> <laughs> but, it was, but it was a learning experience so it was more for you know the joinery and learning how to build a chair yeah it, so is almost everything you do now commission work or do you do you have time and and motivation to just do stuff for the sake of like learning a new technique or uh yeah i mean i try and like influence the commissions into letting me do something that i haven't really learned before um and lately, a lot of the stuff I've been doing, um, I haven't even really known how to do it until I actually like started. Um, so yes, and I, uh, at least like one day a week, I always try and find at least like four hours to work on my own uh, personal, you know, um, you know, project. So I kind of have uh, one or two projects on the back burner at all times. That's cool. Probably good to have that to fall back on. Anytime, yeah. Every time. Yeah, sometimes when you like get stressed out or, you know, you have a project that's just, you're not, you know, you're screwing too much stuff up. Sometimes you just got to step aside and, you know, work on something that you kind of, that I have designed and that I understand and I kind of know how I want to build it. So, yeah. Uh, here's a good one. And I'm actually interested what you think about CNCs. If you could automate the Leopard router work that you did, would you, if you could do it with a CNC, would you? Um, I don't think I would. Um. I don't know. It's just more fun for me to do. Um, I've had it looked at to try and do with the CNC and they said they couldn't replicate some of the, <laughs> some of the corners and the edges. They weren't going to be able to make them as sharp um, just because they didn't have bits that were small enough. So I definitely wouldn't do it with a CNC. Um, but part of the, with me making that is I wanted to make uh, the pattern fit so well that, you know, if it was made by a CNC, you'd be able to tell it just wouldn't look the same yeah that makes sense i mean do you what are your thoughts on like using cnc and laser and stuff like that for mm, i i mean i like them i wouldn't want it to ever uh overtake you know a project you kind of use it with 
which I think I've heard some other people say, like, you know, use it along with your table saw. You know, if they had table saws, you know, 150 years ago, 200 years ago, I think they would have been using them. So to completely like throw it out from your, you know, your tool belt is, you know, something I wouldn't want to do. I don't have one. Um, you know, I would like to get one for doing different things. I would never want it to like cut joinery or, um, you know, build an entire piece, but for like lettering and signs and, um, you know, scroll work, I think I could use it for that. And I would. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, I, I found myself just having it available. <clears throat> I found myself, myself having to fight the urge to just be like, well, I could do this entire thing with the CNC. Mm-hmm. I could, I don't want to, but it sure would make it easy, you know? So like I have a project coming up soon where I know that I could do the entire thing and not have to cut anything on any other saw, but <laughs> you know, that's not going to make for an interesting project. And the majority yeah. of people that are going to watch it don't have one. So it doesn't do them any good to like see only that in action. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, somebody asked me recently about the 3d printer that I got like, Oh great. Now your channel is just going to be you, um, you know, printing things out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, it is absolutely not. Cause that would make really lame videos. And it's just, you know, it's just not what I'm going to do with it. It's just a tool. So, yeah. Um, let's see, what do you use to edit your videos? It's another one on here. Oh, so I don't even have a computer. I had to borrow this computer to do this. Uh, <laughs> to do this, I actually use uh, an iPod. I, send, I use a GoPro and an iPod, and I send all the footage from the GoPro to the iPod, which takes like eight hours to transfer like 30 gigs of data for, you know, one video. And then I edit, you know, all my stuff on a, uh, on a little iPod. That's impressive. Yeah, it, uh, it crashes a lot. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. So I've kind of, I, mean, I was actually finishing up one today, um, a video. So I, I could do them pretty quick. I added a video in like four hours. Um, I've kind of learned how to do it. So I just have to edit in like 30 segment, 30 second uh, segments and then put them all together at the end. Hmm. Interesting. I, that, that's pretty interesting. If so people that, you know, are worried about not having the right stuff, there you go. Because... Yeah, Kyle doesn't yeah. have the right stuff, but he does good videos. <laughs> yeah, soon, hopefully, I hope to get a computer so I can, you know, I want to be able to make like music go with what I'm doing, you know, edit to music, uh, you know, for like beats and, you know, stuff like that. Gotcha. Um, here's a good one. Other than selling stuff on your website, how do you market and sell the stuff that you make? And do you reach out to local businesses for commission work? And I, I was going to ask as well, like, how do you get the commission work that you get? Um, I'm like in touch with a few, uh, interior designers and they'll send me stuff every once in a while. Um, I've given a lot of stuff away, um, or just letting it being seen like in a business that gets, you know, traffic flow has gotten me, um, commissions. Uh, A lot of it's just, you know, word of mouth. Um, I mean, I've sold stuff through YouTube just from posting a video and through Instagram, which is like kind of foreign to me, but you know, I'll take it. Um, just cause you can reach, you know, a broader audience. Um, but I mean, yeah, I guess it's just been a lot, a lot of it's word of mouth. Um, and lately just from, you know, being on, you know, YouTube. Right on. Yeah. For me, the question was for both of us, but for me, I don't really sell stuff anymore. Like I, I have in the past, but it's not, you know, I, if, if I sell anything, it's from my website. So, yeah. Um, Oh, here's one. Uh, do you take any classes? Now, I know you said before that you, you were at the North Bennett school. Yeah. North. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell us about that. And, and do you take any type of classes now? Uh, well, yeah, I went to uh, Palomar college for a year and they had a woodworking program. This was at like first year after high school and it just like, wasn't enough. It wasn't enough information. I'd go to class, you know, two, three days a week and then leave. Um, you know, and then I'd be done with the project in you know, a few weeks and then not really learning anything. So I applied to North Bennett street school in Boston, uh, for their two year cabinet furniture making program. And that was like a whirlwind of difference. Just, uh, being there every day, you know, from like eight to four thirty. you know, you're in small classes with only, you know, tw- 10 to 12 students. Um, so like a lot of like hands-on work. Um, so that was my schooling was out there in Boston. And then I've taught, uh, different wood turning classes. Um, and I try and take uh, like one class a year 
at the uh, the local uh, community college. So I took like guitar making uh, last year. So. Um, and since then I made like uh, one acoustic guitar and, you know, three electric guitars. So, Oh, wow. That's awesome. Are you, is that something you're going to do more of? Do you think? Uh, I want to, but it's like, if, if you're going to do guitars, you almost have to have like a shop just for guitars. Um, and like a lot of tools and a lot of jigs for it. So if I were to do another one, I would probably just take the class again, just cause they have all the, the tools and the jigs and the fixtures there. Interesting. Hmm. I wouldn't have thought to do that, but that, that actually makes a lot of sense. I, I found a really, I'll try to put a link to it in the description if I can find a link to it again. There's a really beautiful video that uh, somebody sent me about this guy that makes flamenco guitars. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it shows the entire, you know, artistically shows the whole process and how much time each one of these little pieces of the guitar takes to make. Just yeah, ridiculous amount of time to make. Is it the, like is it the one where he's playing in the background, like, and it's kind of looped through, and he's playing the guitar, and it's like hour twenty five. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that. That one's it's yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I'll see if I can find a link for it. Um, okay, for both of us, what is your favorite part of the project? You want to go first? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think. Um, I, I don't know. I think getting started on it, I have a hard time uh, staying motivated sometimes to finish things. And I have a hard time getting motivated to start the planning process for things. But that like the point of, okay, the plan is done. I have everything I need to just get rolling on it. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think me likewise. I like, once I have everything, I won't start unless I have everything even if I'm like, I'm building a cabinet and I know it's going to need hinges. Like I won't start. I'll always be like fooling around, like fixing something or, you know, cleaning just ridiculously, you know, for no reason until I have everything. So once I have everything, I mean, it's kind of game on for me. I mean, I just, I love every part of it. You know, I could be cutting joinery to to finishing, you know, even like sanding for some reason. So (laughs) that's weird. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, let's see here. Um, so there's nothing you can't attach a camera to. What is your, <laughs> what, what, what was the question? What is your technique for attaching? Oh, um, I went and I bought like 50 of those GoPro mounts. And so every time I need a new one, like I just have them at my disposal. And then, um, so it's on everything it's on jigsaws. It's inside of the planer. It's outside of the planer. It's on all my, my ceiling fan. Um, it's on my door. Um, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I wear a chest mount for a lot of stuff, a head mount, a wrist mount, you know, I just, I strap it to my back, you know, I just, I put it on everything, but for most of the stuff, it, I have to use, uh, the 3M double-sided tape to be able to put it on like flat surfaces. So, and that stuff's like expensive. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was going to say it might be cheaper to, uh, just buy a whole bunch of GoPros and mount them on all those mounts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, seriously. That would be expensive. I don't think I'd be able to keep up with all that editing though on a on an iPod. <laughs> yeah, probably not. You may have to expand your your editing suite yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um. So here's one about like, what's the greatest challenge that you've given yourself? Um. I mean, a lot of the like in woodworking or like with what? Um. No. Let's say I I think he was talking about woodworking, but let's say no. What's the the greatest challenge outside of woodworking? Um. Well, I mean, getting through my school was, you know, a challenge, you know, being there every day. Um, but I guess, I mean, I don't know. I guess I have like a lot of, uh, a lot of goals in the way I like to see myself in like a few years doing something. So I guess a big challenge is like trying to, you know, re- like hold myself back and not like going for all of one thing all at once and forgetting about the other things that I want to, you know, work on and, so yes, slowing down and like taking things as, as a progression, I guess it's kind of been a challenge for me. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, yeah, I guess you're doing all this yourself, all it's, it's all you. So it would be easy for you to just like fo- super focus on one thing and then like neglect the other stuff. I think that would be the case for anybody running a business, you know, that they yeah. can easily just neglect anything that's not like maybe fully making them money or fully getting them to where they want to be or any of that stuff. So what's, what's your experience so far with like 
doing all this stuff yourself and being in charge of where you're taking, you know, your business, like how's that been? Uh, I mean, it's a lot of work, but I mean, it's, I mean, it's once you, once you kind of start doing it and things just become more natural, I think, and it becomes easier to do things. So I guess it's kind of just like setting yourself up for like a little bit of success. Um, and I don't know, just staying motivated is like a big thing that I try and do. So I always feel like I have to be producing something, um, whether it's like fixing something or making something or doing something for the business or for the shop or like taxes or, you know, just anything like that. So I think that's kind of just like my mindset has kind of kept me, you know, in track with what I'm doing. Hmm. So what are your, if you want to say, you don't have to, but what are your kind of plans for maybe the next five, 10 years for your business? Like where, where are you taking all this? Um, well, I mean, I have plans for, um, like all my vases and bowls, um, and where I want those to go. So once I get to a hundred, I'm stopping there and I have plans for another, um, series of vases. And I'd like to get those into, uh, galleries, um, I'd like to be able to have like shows in like my own gallery at some point. Um, you know, there's a lot of things I want to set up a production facility to make, um, like a series of like household products, um, and kind of let that, you know, run itself if that's possible, you know? So I guess there's a lot of things that I want to do. Um, and that's just woodworking, you know? Awesome. That sounds pretty exciting. (laughs) Yeah. You got a a lot of stuff on your plate there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, here's one, another one from Sterling. Uh, do you plan to do any video, uh, do any videos on the jigs that you use? For example, the salad bowl router jig that you used. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just never thought about it. Sometimes, um, like making the jibs, <coughs> sorry, making the jigs can be its own like video. Sometimes I just forget like the amount of work that goes into something like that. And like people not necessarily knowing, how to make that. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I should just start filming that stuff. I kind of just shut the camera off and we'll, you know, not even worry about that. So, yeah, I can imagine that people would probably love to see, I mean, you know, a lot of the detail stuff like that, how you actually get going on your projects is probably maybe a little proprietary or it's like, you know, what makes your work, your work. Um, But if any of that was shareable, I think people would love to see, like you were talking about drawing out your, the patterns for your segmented stuff and yeah. the jigs. And I mean, people would, I think love to see just how you do it. Maybe not like every detail and not necessarily yeah. really know how to do it themselves, but to see your process mm-hmm. would be, yeah, I'd have to figure out a way to uh, make it interesting. Cause sometimes it could just be really boring. You know, if I'm sitting there for, you know, four hours, just drawing something. So, yeah, uh, you can, and you can upload like 10 hour videos on YouTube, I think. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um let's see i know that some youtubers make enough money to quit their jobs do you see woodworking giving you the same opportunity in the future and would you like the chance to do it full-time well i he does do it full-time i don't know if that was for me or not um but i guess the bigger question around that would be um since you started doing youtube stuff started making videos how has that changed your business and how has that changed what you're trying to accomplish and where you're putting your time and you know, what's uh, the effect? I mean, it's, it's like filming was always the second thought for me. Like I was more focused on the piece and making, you know, the actual product and getting it to the person or, you know, for my own self. So filming has always been like a, like, okay, if I have time to do it, but lately, you know, just with the YouTube stuff and more people seeing it, which is super awesome. Um, now I just, you know, force myself to film, film everything. So I yeah. kind of forgot the rest of the question there. <laughs> well, it's just like, you know, how has, has that changed? I mean, that changes how you work because, you know, now you're more conscious of using, having the camera set up and all that stuff. But like, how has just being a part of the community or, or being more present in YouTube, how's that changed like the direction of your business or, you know, how you're doing things or, or is it? Uh, I mean, I don't think it really has. It's kind of been, I've always been doing this. Um, it's just another way for me to get it out there so that people can see it. Um, I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's awesome when people have like this positive feedback, like that's, you know, super cool. When, when, you know, before I used to deliver a piece to one person and, you know, a handful of people would see it, 
you know, maybe a hundred people would see it a year. And the fact that I can upload a video and have, you know, thousands of people see it is, you know, even way cooler just because it's almost like they get to see the process of what went into that rather than, you know, just the one person owning it, you know, and kind of like hoarding it, you know, for the rest in their home, you know, and just, yeah. So, I mean, the, that's kind of changed, I guess, my way. I mean, I guess I just started filming everything, you know, I kind of, I was driving cross country and, uh, I was, I called, uh, David Bacciuto and I was like, Hey, do you care if I stop by? And he's like, sure, come on by. And he's kind of, you know, him just sharing videos has kind of got me more, you know, the following got me more into it. And that's kind of been, you know, like this is new and exciting. So I think being that it's new and exciting has, you know, kind of kept me or, you know, allowed me to like, you know, do it and get more creative with the filming and editing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I mean, I can imagine that, well, I could see two sides of it. Like if you're really focused on, you just want to make the thing, you know, make the project. I could see being a part of the YouTube community being like a distraction, but at the same time, I've never talked to anybody. I'm sure there may be somebody, but I've never talked to anybody who's like started becoming a part of the YouTube community. And then they're like, Oh man, I just don't want to do this anymore. Cause I just want to go back to like just doing whatever it was I was doing without a camera. I think people love the, the way that it affects like how they think about what they're doing. And yeah, I mean, I definitely keep up and check on like a lot of, you know, different people or just check my news feed and see what other people are making. I'm definitely not like, you know, I'm not going to leave, you know, the YouTube community. I love it. You know, everybody's like so nice and friendly and it's just abundance of information. Um, you know, and I learn stuff from other people all the time, you know, if it could be, you know, simple things as like installing hinges or like, you know, how they edited a video or, you know, I really like, you know, getting more into like lights and, you know, installing that on pieces. So there's just so much information out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been pretty awesome for me in a lot of different ways to just have access to so much stuff. And I think people don't, maybe don't realize like what is really available through YouTube. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's, I think that's, that's been the hard part is finding all that stuff, you know, cause there's so much out there that, you know, you might not want to sit through. So I guess finding it all has been the big issue. And sometimes I feel like I'm wasting time by finding it or, you know, by sitting there, you know, and then I get stuck on other videos or whatnot. Yeah. It can be a rabbit hole pretty, pretty easily. Yeah. All right. Here's another one. Uh, what do you do when you're not woodworking? Uh, make calendars. No, um, <laughs> make, make teeter totters in the woods. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I spend a lot of time at my shop, but I like, um, I like sailing. Um, so we, my family, we have a boat and we go sailing, uh, every once in a while. Um, I like sitting, um, just sitting in general. Um, like I just, you know, spend a lot of time up, you know, moving around the shop and like just being able to like sit, you know, on the beach or just being able to sit and have lunch is like a super nice thing for me to do. Huh. Um, you know, and I also like, I like skating too. So I have a couple longboards and I like, you know, bombing down hills and whatnot. Nice. Speaking of David Picciuto, is Chuck a real person? <laughs> what do you mean, is Chuck real? Of course, Chuck's real. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he's been in a video. I'm not sure why people are still asking that. I mean, my butt or my name's tattooed on his butt, so he yeah. is pretty real to me. <laughs> <laughs> he's a real part of your life from now on. Oh yeah. Okay, so your bio from Vigil Films. How was it to be the subject rather than you know being the one doing the the shooting of the video. I mean, it was pretty cool. I was kind of like taken back that they wanted to do like a, you know, a video on me. Um, it was, I mean, it was really awesome. It was like, I was like the star of my own show. So, um, but it was really cool. They didn't, they just, they said, you know, just do what you're normally going to do today. So, you know, me making that table and doing that inlay was, you know, what I was doing that day. So it was really natural. It wasn't like anything was forced. Um, you know, I'd tell them, Hey, I'm going to do this. And then they would set up their cameras and, you know, film it. But yeah, that video, I mean, it was so cool, you know, being able to watch that and see those guys work. Yeah. That's pretty awesome to have that. And then that's, it should be a good, um, hopefully it'll be a good like promotional tool for you. Cause man, yeah, it was so well done. Um, here's another one. Is there one special artist or maker out there that you'd love to collaborate with on a project? That's good. I'll take that one first and give you a little talking break. Okay. <clears throat> um, there is, I don't think there's one special one, but 
there are tons of people. I, the, the further I get into YouTube and, and just like people who create content, the more, more you find, the more, you know, people that you're exposed to that have different skill sets and all this stuff. And so that list of people that I would love to work on something with just gets bigger all the time. And I don't know how I'll ever be able to actually collaborate with them at a distance, you know, but, um, I'm actually kind of working on something to maybe make that happen. But I, I think that list was just going to continue to grow, but it's going to be harder and harder, you know, to do like distance collaborations for people. So I guess that's not really answering your question, Mark, but <laughs> yeah. there are a lot of them. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I never even thought about it. I mean, I never, you know, thought about reaching out to somebody on, on YouTube and asking if they wanted to, you know, do a project together. I know there's like friends that I have that I want to, you know, team up and do projects with, but as for YouTube, I guess I've never really thought about it. So I'd have to, you know, watch the videos that I've, you know, watched and, you know, just kind of take it from there. Yeah. I think there have been some collaborations done, you know, between people that make stuff and, and then turn it into videos. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. I mean, I've talked to a few people about it and like the logistics of two people working in different shops on the same thing. It's just, it's just tough, you know, it's yeah. not impossible, but I think that's yeah. the big, you know, block from a lot of people trying to make it happen. It's just, yeah, maybe I'll let somebody else do it first and see how they do it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And then hopefully they'll do a video on how they did a collaboration. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's your favorite thing that you've made since doing YouTube videos? Just since like I started launching the videos. Yeah, sure. Oh, uh, well, I guess the leopard table, that was the coolest one for me to, for me to make and edit, you know, that was a super fun video. I got really into, you know, I kind of had like, you know, 160 hours like alone at my shop where you know, I wasn't like worried about, you know, the next job or next commission or, you know, having to, you know, meet up with this person to, you know, get some more work going. So I guess that was the most, you know, my most favorite thing that I've done since I've been doing the videos. And there was a desk that I did a long time ago and, it's on YouTube, but it's just, you know, it wasn't, it was like film like two and a half years ago. And that one was super fun to build. Is it, are either one of those like your favorite pieces that you've ever made or? Yeah. The, the desk is actually my favorite piece. It's made in Macassar ebony and Holly. So you get like these two very dramatic, you know, woods and it's got really nice curves on it, bent lamination. Um, and then the whole thing is kicked uh, forward. So the drawers taper at like three and a half degrees um, and then they're dovetailed. And they they tilt to the side, so it's like a compound dovetailed cut. Um, and those are just like fun to lay out and fun to cut. Wow, that sounds pretty crazy. <laughs> to check that one out, I haven't seen that. One. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's a really general one, but a good one. What motivates you? What mot? You go first, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll throw you under. Um, yeah. Well, um, I'm motivated by. I have a lot of motivation. I have four young kids and they're a whole lot of it for a lot of different reasons. One, I want to be able to uh, leave kind of a legacy for them so that, you know, they can see when I'm gone or when I'm old and I'm not doing this stuff anymore, they can go back and look at this YouTube channel or this, you know, these pieces or whatever it is. And they can be like, wow, my dad did some stuff. You know, he was, had a thing that he did. <laughs> um, so there's that, you know, um, there's also, I'm, I'm really motivated to, uh, pass things on to them, pass curiosity and, you know, a, a knack for like taking stuff apart, fixing things and all that, that's stuff that I want to pass on to them. And there's a whole bunch more, but, um, I think I've been blessed with a whole lot of gifts and a whole lot of opportunity. And that's something I'm motivated to make the most of that for myself, for my kids, for other people, you know, um, Yeah. That's me. What about you? Uh, I'm motivated by a lot of like the people in my life, just like friends and family and, you know, parents and, you know, just them like being able to provide, you know, what they have for me. Like, you know, that motivates me. Like, you know, let's do something with that. Um, like my shop motivates me a lot. Like I have this beautiful shop that I've, you know, built and, you know, just having that like there is kind of like, you know, anything is possible when I'm there. So like, you know, might as well get rolling with it. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know, I guess I'm just motivated by like a lot of the people around me in my life. So. Awesome. Um, I saw one that 
The, oh yeah, here it is. Um, have you ever had a project that was a little more than you could handle from a deadline or skill level? And did you get through it? Um, uh, go ahead. Um, I had this, uh, it was the, the Modolo dining table, um, like a 54 inch round table. And, uh, for some reason I just couldn't get the finish right on the top. There was something like in the wood, um, that was just like, it was just rejecting the stain and the finish in it. So I just had to call the guy and be like, Hey, it's not, you know, I need some more time on this. And he's like, Oh sure. But I was like stressing out. I'm like, I got to get it there by this day. Cause that's when I told him I was going to get it there. You know? So I guess that was, you know, recently one of the more stressful ones or. Yeah. I, I don't think I've had any that, um, I've gotten stressed out about some projects. Like I did, um, uh, some interior, some furniture for this, like it was a small home, like one of the tiny homes built on a trailer. So it was 140 square feet. I think of like everything was in this trailer, everything. And so I had to build a bed that had storage underneath it. And then like a, and a head headboard storage unit thing and like some doors and it was all out of teak and it was like had to, everything had to fit. So I think everything was really, really specific. Like I had to measure things really precisely. And um, made, <clears throat> do what? Made out, made out of teak too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, <laughs> that was great. So that was fun yeah. to work with. Expensive date too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so I spent all this time, you know, like trying and it, and it was a t- kind of tight deadline. So I spent all this time doing this work and I was just like really stressed about, I'm going to put all this in, and then I'm going to take it there and try to install it. And something's going to be like a half an inch too big or, you know, whatever. And, um, it turned out fine and I got everything done and they were super happy with it. And, but then when, so this, the bed was here and then this like other piece of furniture that had storage and it was the headboard. So it was right next to it. And they measured both of these things to fit right in this thing wrapped in glass. The outside of it was wrapped in windows. It's going to fit right in there. And, um, whoever had done the original measurements didn't account for the wheel wells of the trailer, which were like right there. Yeah. And so basically I put all this work in and then this headboard piece, they had to just get rid of it so that the bed would fit in between the, the wheel wells. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. That was a little frustrating, you know, when I got it all done and like I'd been stressing about it and I got it yeah. perfect and then they just didn't use it, but it is what it is. I got paid for it either way. So, yeah. Um, we got about two minutes and I don't want to keep Kyle and uh, I really appreciate all the questions that everybody's been sending. There's still a bunch here. Um, won't be able to get to them all, but, uh, let me see if I can find one or two more, uh, try to get in real quick. <laughs> Kyle, should all woodworkers have beards and make calendars? I don't think so. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think you're probably right on that one. Um, Let's see, Kyle, were you able to schedule a time to meet Jimmy DeResta next month? Oh yeah, I'm. I haven't. Uh, I haven't talked to him. I'm going to New York next month, so I wanted to meet him. So <laughs> yeah, you definitely should. Yeah, you might be watching. Yeah, get in touch with him. Um, let's see here. Find one or two more. Oh, do you do you guys have any ideas or recommendations on how to reach other new woodworkers in my area? Um, somebody else asked me this one time, and I would be interested to know if you have like a certain thing out in your neck of the woods, but over here on the East coast, we don't have like, I don't have any woodworking shops. I don't have a woodcraft near me, but from what I've heard in some of the bigger cities going to places like that are really good. Like a lot of people will have classes, you know, at woodcraft or at mm-hmm. that type of store and just going and doing those classes every once in a while will often let you find woodworking clubs. You know, the people are in both of those places and, um, that's kind of a good way to get hooked up with other woodworkers. What about, what about you? Do you have any ideas there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would just look for like, I have, you know, San Diego fine woodworkers and then inland wood turners. So there's gotta be some clubs within, you know, probably a hundred miles of you or so. Um, and then see if there's any colleges in the area cause they probably have a, a woodworking program. Um, even community colleges too. Awesome. Uh, let's, uh, will you ever come to the East coast? And if so, will you bring me a calendar? <laughs> Tell them I'll just mail them one. <laughs> okay. I'll mail you one. This is the same person that asked for one earlier. So <laughs> yeah. 
they really want a calendar. All right. Well, it's uh, it's 1030. I don't want to keep Kyle, but Kyle, thank you so much for doing this. And yep. thank you, everybody, for asking questions and uh, for watching and, and being awesome. Oh, Jimmy just said he will be there. Yeah. So <laughs> nice. Yeah, so get in touch with Jimmy. Um, yeah. Thank you, everybody, for asking questions and for watching. And I want to go tell you about the next episode. The next one's going to be a month from tonight, a little bit more than the three weeks like normal. Um, but it's going to be, the guest is going to be Matthias Wandel. So that should be really awesome to hear from him and I'll be posting all that stuff. So you'll, you'll see it, but thank you, Kyle, for being here. Yeah. Thank you, Bob. Thanks for doing this. And thanks everybody for, you know, all the questions and everything. It's really cool. <laughs> awesome. I like it. Yeah. Good. Well, all right. Thanks everybody. And, uh, we'll see you next time.